Hey, Sales Lift Nation, it's your host, Tyler Lindley. Today, I have Remington Rawlings, a SDR operations manager at Snowflake on the podcast. Hey, Remington, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Doing great. Thank you so much for joining. So Remington and I were just chatting a little bit about sales and SDR, sales development, and specifically like where technology and the booming industry that is revenue operations fits into sales this day and age. So Remington, what trends are you seeing as tech and rev ops become more and more important for sales these days? Yeah, that's a great question. I think starting back at some of the roots of where sales ops was even formed in its genesis back at Xerox in the early part of the tech boom back in the 1990s, there was some people that got really smart about the fact that maybe if we do some math with what we're doing and we try to just assess things a little bit more clearly, we can help the salespeople. So they started being more like number crunchers and then when Salesforce came about and they revolutionized the way that technology was happening, I think that was what started a, a really big focus on like, well, maybe we can do a lot more. And I think that trend has only continued where people just keep asking that same question, like, what can we do to optimize? Mm-hmm. And as our technology has gotten better, the optimizations get better. So the way that the sales engagement industry has had a lot more providers come into play how data is a lot more accessible. You can get cheaper and cheaper data. You don't have to go through the big players in the data space anymore to actually be able to have access to really good prospecting data. And as well, social and calling are still very high on the list of how to prospect because email is constantly being used by so many different sources that people just get bogged down by it. I think revenue operations is becoming the way to figure out how to make companies buyer centric really take the processes that exist and that have existed for optimizing things and turning that into a buyer centric model to help every single person hit their quota and it's interesting to see like some of the thought leaders out there putting out content there's some that are really focused on how revenue operations is so hard and it's something that everybody needs help just having a group or a family to be a part of because it's a difficult job. And there's other people that are like talking about how it's the only way to ever make a company successful and stuff. But the reality is companies have been successful even before RevOps. Mm -hmm. I think now what we're seeing is companies are being able to differentiate themselves a lot better because of RevOps. And that's the way that people are thinking about it. Yeah, I totally agree. It's interesting. You bring up the buyer-centric model. Do you think that a lot of sales organizations are not buyer-centric right now? Absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately, anytime the buyer's process is more about what goes into the salesperson's CRM or what mandates the salesperson is under to try to make sure certain things happen with the sales process, which albeit important steps a lot of times, they, sometimes you just have to strike the balance right between a sales-centric process and a buyer-centric process. But there's far too much of sales processes that I think have been formed with the sole intent of how to make sure that we have what we need internally, not thinking what the buyer has. And that's even manifest in the way the automations and email messaging are set up. We don't have marketing collaborating with the BDR people who are writing their sequences and thinking like, okay, what are you sending and what am I sending? Even if they just asked that question, we'd probably be closer to buyer centric, but it's sad too that the handoff from each spot, from marketing to BDR, from BDR to sales, 
and then from sales to CSMs and, and so on and so forth. I think you see too often in companies, those handoffs just get dropped because mm. they don't, they haven't thought through the handoff. Everybody's thought through their own individual piece of how to do their job with the buyer journey. There's not usually like a central governing person. And there, there are companies that are doing this, but there's not enough of the, okay, how do we do this together so that that person has one seamless, like Amazon one click to buy type of sales experience, right? Yeah. You're talking about that silo effect of how these different parts of the revenue facing team aren't usually all the way aligned. Is that the main problem that RevOps solves for Remington? I don't think so. Even if it should be, I think the main problem RevOps solves for usually is we have users, they have pain. Let's try to make sure that that pain is solved by giving them technologies, process, training, all of those things. And RevOps is also trying to help the business progress and hit their number and keep track of what that number is and do the reporting and analytics. So I think sometimes, especially where if you're an operations person that's in a situation where you don't have a ton of resources, so you're the only person, sometimes you don't have time to do the buyer-centric strategic thinking and get all the executives in a room and say, hey, look at all this data I pulled that shows all these cool things. That's not really as easy to do sometimes. You do have to, I think it's like a unicorn situation where that is the number one focus right now, but it can be a a high focus. And if you do that and everybody starts thinking about it, and I think that's the trick, you got to have everybody that's involved in the revenue process thinking about the customer. So it's just an undertone to everything that happens. And then buyer centricity ultimately works itself out over time. It's not like it's this like magic eight ball, you shake it up and then it's like, okay, now we're buyer centric. It doesn't work like that. It's like that's a process. You brought up technology. Obviously, there's a lot of new tools coming into the sales tech or martech space. The space just keeps getting more and more crowded. Where do you see the trends going in technology for what's going to be done by tech versus AI versus human powered as we move forward throughout the buyer's journey for SDRs, for AEs, for CSMs? Like, Where does technology fit in today and where do you think that's going? Yeah, I met with a few investors about this because I've been curious about what their thoughts are. And a lot of people really like the tech that helps sales ops and sales teams, not like what they do for other customers, but like the commission automation platforms. That's one thing that a lot of people are really hot on as well. The way that the process for getting your people into sequence and automation and AI and all that stuff. I think especially like you read Justin Michael's new book, Tech Powered Sales, and his whole idea is that we're going to reach the singularity. And with the fact that there's so many people that do struggle with finding people to sequence or knowing how to prioritize which people to sequence, you do have a revenue operations person that has to ask that question. Should I focus on optimizing internal stuff or should I try to create technology integrations that are going to make my sales process way better for how we, and I think there's a balance to strike there as well. But I think a lot of people end up focusing on the internal stuff right now. We all talk about that next gen way to get people into sequence, but most sequencers are just putting people into sequence with their lists and Salesforce. It's not like there's some crazy automation that's like serving up that next person that's supposed to be contacted. So I think that is a trend that is, is really hot where people are thinking, oh, maybe someday we can just use AI and they'll do a lot for us. I think the big technologies right now, because that's not a reality, the big technologies that are doing a really good job, like Speckit just recently got a lot of funding. 
that's changing the way that people are able to process information and they don't have to do all of the learning in the sales process of the technology that they have. I think that's a cool technology for that reason. Like it's making it easier for people to do stuff that before was harder for them to do. So I think the trend in what people talk about and think about tends to be on that whole automation kick. Revenue operations, people are actually focused on trying to optimize the internal stuff. And then I think the way that things are moving, technologies that are making it easier for a little bit of both to happen, like Speckit or like good data providers that are consolidating their platforms and having multiple different pieces to what they're doing, like Apollo or even Zoom Infos trying to add other pieces to their software. HubSpot now makes it possible to do all the things in one place. I think that's where in the future, people are going to start thinking like, why do I have to put 10 different technologies all on the plate of a BDR or an AE and try to mesh them all together perfectly and align the integrations and check the data and all these reports that don't like that whole thing, I think will start to go more and more to the dinosaurs of RevOps who are used to doing it a certain way. And the millennials of the future the people that are like digital natives are like, this should be easier. Everything in my whole life has always been easier. They're going to say, I just want one place. I just want one thing to do. I think technologies are going to move more and more towards that. That's the thing, the dark horse that we haven't really seen come to fruition yet. And you're starting to see that somewhat, like you brought up a few tools that are starting. And and so it sounds like you think there's going to be this consolidation of some of these tools where they're going to join forces and try to create more of a a holistic platform where you can do everything under one roof versus having to put together those 5, 10, 15 tools and try to get them to speak to each other. Do you see that consolidation coming? Yeah, and the consolidation can happen a number of ways. Zoom Info's having it happen by just buying every company that they can, yeah. right? They just yeah. bought Chorus and I, I bet they'll buy more. But there's also just as technology continues to progress and as, as making integrations more seamless happens, those who partner together will be able to provide a more optimized experience. Look at Sendoso and Outreach. That integration is so easy to set up and it's so easy to use. And I think more and more companies will be like that where they're just trying to make it so easy for the integrations to be set up that it is more it's almost consolidated in such a way that you don't have to have just one vendor but the vendors that can make that whole process work i would be really really interested to see how they do that hubspot's still getting into it so i don't know if they're like really considered there's not a lot of people that are like i'm getting rid of salesforce and outreach and everything and just going to hubspot but there i think there will be more and more of that and when it comes It'll be interesting to see if it really does help solve the problem like people think it will, or if it's going to be another technology that has a lot of issues and arms and legs that still have their own, because the grass is always greener, right? (laughs) Yeah. And it sounds like as a RevOps leader, if you're thinking about adding additional tools to enable your SDRs, your A's, anybody, you need to think about how does that fit in with your existing stack just as much as what that tool does. Because if it's not... If the integration's going to be difficult and it's going to be hard to to have it jive with all your existing tech, it might be more trouble than it's worth. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, definitely. And, and the more trouble that it's worth from a couple of angles, you got to look at the risk. Like, how is this going to affect my users? How is this going to affect our run rate? How is this going to affect our cost? What's it, what's it going to create with a customer experience? There's a lot of things to examine. But I think the easiest way to try to figure some of those things out is doing user interviews. 
That's going to your users, asking them, what is the exact problem you have right now? What are the things that you don't like about this technology? Running a whole Google, I've done this multiple times, a Google form that has like every possible feature I could think of that would be part of their process. And it's like a 30 question form, but if it, you'd only do it once in a while, I think it's, it's fine to do that. The BDRs end up getting to, so the AEs get to say, this is the things I use and these are the things I don't use. And you can get a really good picture of like, wow, the org doesn't actually use these features and this technology we're paying so much for. What are we not solving for? And then you go and ask the questions and you try to figure that out. So it should always start with internally, what are we struggling with and why? And how does solving that problem drive the bottom line? If it doesn't really answer those questions and you're not thinking about it in that thought train, there's no point to having another technology. That's like, that's something I learned from hard experience, implementing a technology that we didn't really super need or that wasn't like a good fit. It can cause a lot of problems for, for yeah. everybody. So. What about for the the organizations out there that don't have uh, a dedicated RevOps individual on the team? How do you go about starting that? If it's being cobbled together right now and we're just trying to, we're trying to make it work, but you know, things are getting chaotic and we, we realize like, we need to bring on someone to help make this uh, more seamless and help to get all this organized and make sure this process is going a lot smoother. How do you go about adding that first kind of RevOps hire? What are some best practices you've seen, Remington? Yeah, a couple of things, maybe not to derail the question completely, but one, that's usually teams that are growing, smaller teams. Two, you don't necessarily have to hire an admin right from the start. You could potentially hire a manager or a director that has a lot of Salesforce outreach, Groove, Xant, whatever. They have those chops where they've done some configurations in the past. They're like, they've been in it long enough that when you give them a new technology, they're not like, well, I don't know what to do with this. They're, like, they're capable. And then you hire consultants. There's a lot of really good consultants out there that can help you string things along until you know exactly what type of profile you're looking for. Because hiring a RevOps person is one of the hardest things to do. It's just like an engineer. There's not very many people that fit the bill, but also it's, there's so many skill sets that you could want. Maybe you want territory creation. Maybe you want somebody that knows all the integrations and automations and has a Salesforce background. Maybe you want somebody who's really good at analytics. All, all those different things don't usually come in one person. You almost have to pick your, what things you can't have <laughs> as the ones you just like segment out of your job description. But if you have somebody internally that you <clears throat> have hired or can hire, even if it's a manager, they can just own some of that process and at least walk the walk and talk the talk with a consultant. Then the consultants can help you get things in place, help you work on things. It may be a little bit of a higher cost at first, but it's a lot higher cost to have a wrong hire who doesn't know exactly what they're doing or isn't the right fit. Then when you have that hire, you'll know exactly what type of person you need because that consultant usually can help you figure out what you need. So that's if it was me running a company and I didn't have an admin, now knowing what I know about RevOps, that's how I would do it. Find a leader that knows it, then get a consultant, then hire somebody. Yeah. Where does where does training and development fit into this for you? Do you think that's, is that a part of revenue operations? And how does training and development fit in with all this you're getting the tech stack and you're making sure all the processes and systems are aligned, but how do we get our frontline folks trained and develop them so that they can run optimally on any of these systems that we build for them? Yeah. So I was, uh, 
philosophy major in college. And I had one of my professors show me how he created his teaching modules that he did. I got to help create some teaching modules with him. And uh, in the process, I saw behind the curtain and all the work that he did to get ready for the class. And like, he knew all the stuff he needed to know about all the philosophers and all this stuff. But if he hadn't trained and done a good job in explaining things to the rest of the class, like we'd have never really understood some of those different things that we need to know about philosophy. I think it's the same thing with RevOps. Sometimes RevOps people think, oh, I made it work right. I made it perfect. And I explained it to you. But unless you like really take a training and enablement approach where you have that presence with reps to see what's happening in the room, which is even harder to do over Zoom, but you understand like that person's not getting it. I need to ask more questions or stay on this point and just really focus on this topic and try to create modules or at least some sort of slide deck that has animated GIFs or a video or something that like takes them beyond just a, hey, here's an email showing you this new validation rule that's for meeting set metric. You have to do this this way. There's a lot of just pushing at people instead of the training. So I think the training piece is what I'm trying to say is everything drops off if training doesn't happen. Training might not be owned by RevOps in some companies, but you can still collaborate really tightly with them. And if you don't, I don't really know, like you can ever fully make the impact that you can, but RevOps also doesn't usually have the resources to do it by themselves. So that's why training and enablement doesn't happen. It's not because people don't want to, it's just hard to take time to do that. Yep. Yep, exactly. It's always last on the list. It's always just yeah. kind of, <laughs> they'll figure it out, but uh, but they don't always figure it out. And I think one thing I see is, are we asking the SDR, especially who's doing top of funnel prospecting and trying to learn all these tools, are, are we asking the SDR this day and age to do too much? Like they've got to, they've got to be skilled at a lot of different things in order to be an effective SDR. Do you think that we're putting too much on the SDR right now? Or do you think most SDRs can handle it? I would ask it this way too. If you were to write down on paper, all the things an SDR knows or needs to know and does or needs to do, and you showed it to somebody who didn't know what an SDR was. And you said, do you think an entry-level person can do this every single time? Like they just got graduated from college. What are your thoughts? It's like 10 technologies sometimes, and it's a lot of hard work to understand the persona and the target addressable market. And there's so many things that go into it. So I do think that people can do it. I've seen it work. I think the problem is the way that the leadership of a company views the business development function. Like candidly, if you're a leader out there and you're not thinking, wow, my business development department is my bridge from marketing to sales, you're doing it wrong. Like you have to really invest in SDRs. It's worth it. Even if it's only a few SDRs, but you just make them damn good. That's you have to do that or else it's not, you just wasted money on a huge important department that has to be doing well. So I think the answer is yes, they can do it. Even if they don't do everything perfect because nobody's ever perfect to their job, but it is hard to do that when companies don't take the time and the money to invest in them. Yeah. And is part of that investment like marketing? Because sometimes SDR, you know, SDRs working inbound leads from marketing in addition to doing outbound. You know, marketing can be a, a huge help and driver of the success of a sales development program and, and prospecting and filling that top of the funnel. Or it can be a huge like barrier to to a successful sales development program. So where does marketing play into this conversation? Yeah, that's a tough question because marketing is also different across so many different 
industries and who you target in your vertical and also what geography you focus on. But from a marketing perspective, what you're trying to do is create an understanding of which accounts to go after. So if you take an account-based approach, marketing helps you facilitate that account-based approach with ads or with supplementary events or webinars or whatever it might be, and then helping you find events or sorry, uh, content MQLs in different accounts that can help spark the process of an SDR reaching out. But some other things can do that too. Intent data, for for example, you can almost take an MQL that comes through and use it the same way as a marketing qualified account where somebody surges or has some certain topic that they've been looking at recently. Maybe you don't have the exact person that you need to go after, but if you know your persona, you can almost reach out with a very similar approach and still go go right around that person that you think you need to reach out to and get a very similar result. So I, th- I think, yes, marketing is so important, but if you're really trying to get ahead of where your customer is, you've got to do something more to understand what they're looking for. I've seen it happen before where one of the companies I was working for, we were getting into deals because of marketing a lot and using the inbound leads that came but we were always just late to the punch. Like they already had a requirements list that didn't include some of our main features. And I started as the revenue operations person, like reaching out to the BDRs and asking like, what did they say? Like when you lost this person who said, no, I'm not interested, even though they were a perfect fit and they had reached out for content, like why are we getting marketing content requests? But then people are just like, absolutely not. And it turned out, we were just one step on their buyer journey where they were just trying to cover the bias that they already had because they'd made a decision about another person, another competitor who had reached out because they had been searching because they used intent data and we didn't have intent data. So we were losing a lot of people because we didn't get there first. So I think something to remember is that just because you have a good marketing function doesn't mean you're getting the deals first. And that's something to really be focused on. To answer the question about if marketing is mandatory for a BDR to succeed? The answer is no. Outbound still works. It's just harder. And you have to have somebody who's willing to roll with the punches of outbound and focus on the little wins. But I had multiple BDR jobs where I got little inbound and just focused on outbound and still was successful. So that's, I will never not feel that way. I think outbound is a lot more successful than people think. Yep. Yep. Remington, anything else that we haven't touched on related to RevOps that you think would be important for our audience to know? I think for those that are in RevOps, keep going. You know, your company needs you. There's people that depend on their paychecks and their families and their livelihood. Depends on having somebody like you that's very focused and willing to be diligent. So try to put that bigger picture in mind that you're more important than just how you manage technologies. Companies need people like that so that they can really help bless people's lives. I think that's one of the reasons I got into ops was because of my hope to do that. And for all the salespeople out there, I do think my thing I always say to people is just call people more. You get a rejection email, make a call. If you see somebody respond to you on LinkedIn or like your comment or something, make a call. Just always pick up the phone. And that's a big thing that's been helpful for me in my career. Yep. I love that advice. I try to tell my folks that a lot too. So thank you, Remington. If our audience wants to find you online, find out more about you online, where should they? You can go and join our community at extrovert.io. I'm writing a book called The Information Snowball about how to do social engineering and prospecting. 
and you can request information there. You can um, look on my LinkedIn. Happy to set up a meet and talk with you. I can share my Calendly, but yeah, those are probably the best two places. Perfect, perfect. We'll link to those in the show notes. Remington, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thanks, appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the, T-H-E, sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. Have questions for me? Email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. And we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas plus action equals results. You've got new ideas. Now it's time to take action and the results will follow. See you next time.